That's great. I enjoy that. All right. Uh, we have Brother Curtis Hall is going to be preaching for us tonight. It's uh, one of our missionaries. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we are getting ready to add on some more missionaries real soon. We'll be talking about that. Uh, Lord's blessed and thank you for your giving. Uh, since we kind of stepped up our giving with the faith promise here in our, in our missions conference. And so we're going to be adding on. We added on two since then, uh, Brother Curtis being one of those, and we're going to be adding on some more uh, as we kind of look at uh, things, and, and we'll be talking about that in days to come. But uh, well, I'm excited to hear Brother Curtis tonight. You come on up here. Amen. I think you know him. He just spent a week with us. So. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, I've got to get the power turned on. Amen. Amen. But uh, it is a blessing. I do appreciate your pastor and your pastor's wife, and I appreciate their family. And I can, uh, there we go, now we're on. Amen. I can, uh, I can relate to what he talked about uh, with uh, telling Brother uh, Jimmy Oh, that's all right. You, you don't have to know the sport. You just got to have the energy and everything. I did work for him in athletics for a year. And I can, uh, matter of fact, we were talking about this at lunch, how that he would come in and hand us a rule book of whatever sport was about to come up and would say, uh, fellas, you need to learn the rules of this sport. You're going to be refereeing in a few weeks. So I don't know if we knew the rules. We just called them like we saw them. Uh, sometimes that got us in trouble. But uh, I appreciate the fact that Brother Hooker always stood be, uh, you know, by us and supported us whenever we uh, made rulings in sports. And I think I told this last time I was here. Man, I blew a call big time. I blew a call. And... and uh, the, the guy was arguing with me a little bit and wanting me to appeal to Brother Hooker. And I said, no, he had made me mad at that point. I just wasn't going to do it. And, and so the guy turned and looked at Brother Hooker, and Brother Hooker said, he's the ref at that base. He said he's out or safe, whatever, out probably. And he said, so he said he's out. After the game, he looked at me and he goes, son, you need glasses. <laughs> But I'll never forget his next words. I said, well, preacher, why didn't you overrule me? And he says, because you were the authority in that situation. And she, he says, you made the decision. You did not appeal to a higher authority. You stood by your decision. And so I supported you. And I learned a great lesson. And authority needs to stand with authority, even if you don't always understand at times or agree at times. And so it is a great blessing to be here. Take your Bibles, if you would, open them to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. My wife asked me earlier what I was going to be uh, preaching, and my first words were, it is not a missions message. And she goes, why do you always have to clarify that whenever you don't preach a missions message? And I said, well, so many people uh, are used to me preaching missions messages. One of the great uh, uh, opportunities that we had just a few weeks ago was to hear Brother and Mrs. Hooker uh, both speak at a faith and family conference down in Marrero, 
Louisiana, south of New Orleans, and uh, we enjoyed that. They did sessions uh, before the service, and then Brother Hooker preached on seeking the Lord. And uh, uh, Proverbs 18, I still remember. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I commented to somebody after that, we we're in church uh, every week, and it's usually always themed around one theme, missions, missions. Amen. It was good to be in that conference and the theme was not missions. It was something that was a help to our family. And so we're thankful for that. And so I'm not bringing a missions message tonight. It's not your missions conference. You weren't expecting me. And I think by your calendar, you've already had a couple of missionaries this month. Is that correct? Do we? One, one. You had one mission. So you've already had your missions for the month. Amen. That's good. Actually, I, I, uh, I got up this morning and spent some time with the Lord. And every preacher will, yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? And every preacher will understand this. Uh, even though, you know, I, I called Brother Hooker and said, hey, our Sunday canceled. We're headed to the next place. Can we just pull in and park and hook up and just be here? And he said, sure, that'd be great. Even though nothing was scheduled, every preacher knows to be ready. All right. And so I got this morning, I spent some time with the Lord, and I said, okay, now, Lord, if I walk in and I get put on the spot, I said, I need to be ready. And the Lord uh, uh, laid this message on my heart, and this afternoon I spent some time with him, and uh, I said, okay, Lord, and he was like, well, if it was good for this morning, wouldn't it be good for tonight as well? And so uh, I, I hope it'll be a help to you. I want to speak to you tonight on this subject, faith for the finish. Faith for the finish. Paul is writing to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And Paul is coming down to, to the end of his life, if you would. This is, uh, I think, his last epistle that he wrote. And um, if not, the last is one of the last. And so it's somewhat uh, a last will and testament. And he's giving some instruction to his preacher boy, Timothy. And look with me, if you would, in verse number 1. In verse number 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath given up, not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And I want to speak to you again that subject, faith for the finish or why keep on going. Faith for the finish or why keep on going. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help me now tonight to be a help to these your dear people. Lord, I pray that you would help my mind tonight to focus on a message that you've laid on my heart. Lord, something completely different than what I have done for, Lord, the last year and a half. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help me tonight. Lord, I greatly desire to be a help. And so help me tonight. 
And Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, guide my thoughts, guide my speech. And Lord, I pray for whomever it is here tonight that needs something from this message. So that, Father, I pray that they would receive it. Lord, that we'll not just hear it, but that we will apply it to our life. Help us not to just be hearers of the word. Lord, once we hear it, help us to determine in our heart to be doers of the word also. Well, thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the honest truth is, is the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Right? And if we live life long enough, we're going to go through some things that the pressure, we're going to feel the pressure. All right? We're going to feel the weight. We're going to feel the intensity. And we're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to keep on going? You know, we're going to have to decide that we're going to have to endure some things. You know, the Bible says about the Lord that he endured the cross. He despised the shame and endured the cross. And if the Lord had to endure his cross, and he tells us that we're to take up our cross daily and follow him, then that means we're going to have to endure some things through our life. That means we're going to have to determine before that time comes that we're going to persevere through whatever trial or adversity comes in our life. As I said, Paul is nearing his martyrdom, and he knows that his time is short. He gives us what I think is the theme in chapter Chapter 4, verse number 7, he says, Where I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I have kept the faith. Now, I think every single one of us would like to have that testimony. Right? I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, but here's the key, I have kept the faith. You understand that 2 Timothy as well as 1 Timothy could be real-life missionary stories. And, uh, and all the things that uh, happened to the Apostle Paul. Sometime if you get a chance, go read 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I believe it is where Paul gives a whole list of all the things that he has endured uh, throughout his life as a missionary serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the shipwrecks and the beatings. And if you notice in that passage of Scripture... I have you turned there for time's sake? But if you notice in that passage of Scripture that it makes references uh, to the fact that he had been beaten uh, with uh, five times with 39 stripes. All right, now I take issue to that and I'm, I stop there for a moment because I want you to understand and realize that that was a Jewish law. Those were the Jews that were beating Paul uh, with them. The Romans had no such law. And it was the Romans that whipped our Savior, that beat our Savior with the cat of nine tails. So many times, if we're not careful, we'll make that uh, Levitical application to Jesus at the crucifixion, at the scourging, but the Romans were not bound by Jewish law. You ought to understand, Jesus was not beaten 39 times. Jesus was beaten within an inch of his life, and that was for you and I. And I think if we're not careful and we lose perspective, we'll lose the great sacrifice and suffering that our Savior went through for us. And when we go through suffering times and we are thinking about the sacrifices that we'll made, we will begin to elevate our suffering above that which our Savior suffered. No one suffered like our Savior suffered. 
But Paul is writing and he is reminding us and he is reminding Timothy of all these things. He is probably in his mid to late 60s and you understand he is awaiting execution from Nero. And this is his last will and testament and he's trying to give some last minute instructions. He says, hey listen, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He said, hey, I've had faith for the finish and you can too. You know, the Bible says that, that God's no respecter of persons. If Paul could have faith for the finish, hey, he's a man, flesh and blood, just like you and I are. He's not the fourth part of the Trinity. Some of you catch that about Tuesday. All right? He was a man just like you and I are. And if he could have faith for the finish, you and I can have faith for our finish as well. Now, I want you to understand, he was writing this, and don't get too excited when I start saying point number one. This is all introduction. He, he wanted to write this epistle, or did write this epistle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for four reasons. Number one, he wanted to encourage Timothy in the work of the Word of God. In chapter number two, verse number one, Thou, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Number two, he wanted Timothy to come to Rome as soon as possible. In chapter number four, verse 13, he says, hey, bring, bring my cloak and bring the books, but especially bring the parchments. Hey, hey, good reading material is something that Paul craved and desired, and we ought to have good reading material in our life as well. But in verse 21, he says, come soon and bring the coat. You know why? Because he said in verse 21, winter's coming. Everybody likes to be warm. See, Paul was flesh and blood like you and I. He was wanting Timothy to come to Rome as soon as possible. Bring some books, hey, and bring the coat because winter's coming as well. But he also, number three, he wanted to warn Timothy about apostasy that was creeping in. Look in chapter four, verse number three. He says in verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There's that word endure again. You, you know, we've got to learn. You say endure sound doctrine. Yeah, because there's some truths of the Word of God that grates against our humanity, that grates against our flesh. And our flesh says, yeah, I, I know it's in the Word of God, and I believe the Word of God, but I really want that to be the last thing applied to my life. Paul says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Hey, we might not like everything it says, but everything it says is applicable to our lives. Uh, last year, I, I had to go to the doctor. I, I was experiencing headaches and things, and, and they began to do some tests. And, and she said, uh, Mr. Hall, and she said, uh, I have a doctor who's saved. And I thank God for that. She said, uh, uh, Mr. Hall, Brother Hall, she says, um, you, you need to get on some blood pressure medicine. And I said, Doc, I, I really don't want to take, I said, I, you know, I'm 47. I really don't want to start taking blood pressure medicine. She said, okay, lose 40 pounds. I looked at her and I said, Doc, that, that, man, that's just blunt, isn't it? And she said, oh, kind of like how you preachers are. <laughs> she said, I'm telling you the truth. Isn't that what y'all always say when you stand up? I'm telling you the truth. And she says, and now I've told you the truth, and you're going, that's a little blunt, isn't it? And I sat there and I thought about that. You know, I got mad at her, but when she walked out, I chewed on it, I thought about it. And I thought, you know, she's right. But now I'm still a man, I still have my pride. I never told her that I felt she was right. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that. Well, what have I been doing? I've been working to lose weight. 
Why? Why? Because she gave me a truth that is applicable to my life and it will help me. And so I'm working on that. Do you know many times we're just like that with the preaching of the Word of God? We hear a truth and we go, I don't really like that. And we get mad and you walk out and you look at the preacher and you... But as you meditate, as you chew on it, you begin to understand, hey, you know, I need to do that. But in our pride, we won't come back and say, you know, preacher, that was a good truth. I needed that. Amen. And Paul is warning Timothy the time will come when apostasy will creep in and they'll not endure sound doctrine. Hey, if it was that in that day and age that they wouldn't endure sound doctrine and apostasy was creeping in, don't you think it'd be happening today as well? Amen. Hey, when your pastor stands up and he preaches against some false doctrine or some apostasy, hey, don't get mad. Be glad that you have a pastor who's willing to stand for the truths of the Word of God and get on board with it. Number four, he wanted to testify to Timothy that Timothy could endure just like Paul had endured. Hey, let me tell you something. You and I can endure just like Paul endured. As well, you understand. Timothy was a young man when Paul met him, but he began to their relationship began to grow and began to be a co-laborer all the days of the life of Paul. Now, I want you to understand. Paul is giving Timothy a message of grace, and in this enduring grace. You know, a lot of uh, we we go to Brother Allen's generation. There are a lot of truths that we can learn from his generation. But the, you know, the biggest thing that we can learn is the fact that they endured. The Bible says there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Hey, you know some of the things I may face in my life? You know, you know why I love your pastor? You know why I love your pastor? It's because he had six daughters, or has six daughters. I have four daughters. You know who has been an example for my wife and I all through the years of raising our daughters? Someone who's been a little farther down the road and has endured raising teenage daughters. Because that's an endurement, is it not? Amen. When they say, Dad, let's go shopping. And you're going into the, you know, all the areas that you're going, I think I want to be in the men's section. Yeah. No, your mother's good for this. Let your mother help with this. I, I, I took advice from Dr. Tom Malone. He said, when we got married, my wife and I decided that I, I would make all the major decisions and she would make all the minor decisions. He said, we, however many years of marriage, we've not had any major decisions. <laughs> oh, man, that's good advice. I got four daughters. I was like, honey, you take care of it. And then I went to his faith and family conference on a Tuesday night in Marrero, and he did a split session to the men. And it, boy, he talked about how both of us need to be involved. And I'm sitting there going. <laughs> and I was going, oh, Lord, I'm almost to the end. We're more involved now, honey. <laughs> but you understand, Timothy was a very unlikely candidate, all right, for this. But Paul had to continue to encourage him. But let me get down to the, the, the meat of the message tonight. Uh, why can we have faith for the finish? Uh, or why can we keep on going? Number one, because we have a bright future. Because we have a bright future. Look in verse number one with me again. I want you to notice it says, Paul, what are the next two words? An apostle. An apostle. 
Now, why was Paul an apostle? Verse number one gives you the answer as well. An apostle of Jesus Christ, how? By the will of God. It was the will of God that Paul should be an apostle. Paul said, I'm an apostle born out of due time. Can you imagine how it was when he came to Jerusalem? And here you have all the other apostles that walked with the Lord during his earthly ministry. And here's Paul, an apostle born out of due time, who spent time with the Lord in Arabia. But also the resurrected Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And you imagine, you got the apostles over there and you got Paul over here. He was never part of the in group over here. But he was an apostle. Why? By the will of God. And I want you to understand that we have a bright future. Because as, as Brother Hooker said this morning, if you're here and you're breathing, God still has plans for you. And God has a purpose for you. May I say it this way? God has a will for each and every one of us here tonight. Now, my will is different than your will, and your will is different from someone else's will. But hey, you know what? It is the will of God whoa, that gives us the bright future that we should have. You know why I say that? Because if, if I, all of us, if you're here and you're saved, and I hope you're saved, amen? But if you understand, if you're here and you're saved, then our end destination is heaven. All right? That is the end. All right? Death is not the end. Heaven is our final destination. All right, so if that's my final destination is heaven, and this is where I'm at in my life, then God has a will for me between here and there. Because the ultimate will of God is that God who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the will of God is for everyone to get saved. If you're here, you're saved. Then God has another will for you, a serving will, or something that He wants you to do in your life. And so I have a will of God in my life, and I have a bright future. Why? Because of the will of God. Because of what God has willed. Can, can I tell you, can I testify tonight? I'm getting to do things in the will of God that I never would have dreamed about. Brother Michael, you'll understand what I'm about to say. How many young men have come through the halls of Howells Anderson and would love for the opportunity to preach for a man like Dr. Bob Hooker? And I get to. Why? The will of God. The will of God. It is a bright future. Hey, folks, listen to me. Look, boy, when I stepped out of the corporate world, and boy, we talked about a little bit about that. When I stepped out of the corporate world, man, corporate world thought I was crazy. Man, I had a great salary. I was climbing the corporate ladder. I had a bright future. To them, I threw my future away to go into the ministry. One man looked at me and said, you'll starve. I was a size 42 suit when I worked in corporate. I made it all the way up to a size 46 in the ministry. I really starved, haven't I? So much so that my wife said, you need to heed your doctor's advice. I said, amen. But why is that the will of God? Hey, when God called me into missions... I pastored a great church. It's still a great church. They took great care of us. When I stepped out of the pastor, preacher, I even had pastor friends that said, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You're, you're not a spring chicken. I said, thanks. I appreciate that. 
They said, to step out like this. And I said, it's the will of God. It's the will of God. Hey, why can we have faith for the finish? Why can we keep on going? Because of the bright future. What is that bright future? It is the will of God. Is the will of God. Whatever God wills in my life, I am to surrender my will. Like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. You know, when we take ourselves out of ourselves and place ourselves in his hand, it's amazing what God can do. You ever stop and think God can do more in six days than we can do in a lifetime? And yet we fight so many times of our will versus His will. Hey, we have a bright future. You have a bright future. It's the will of God. You say, well, I'm going through some things. Yes, if it's the will of God, then you have a bright future. Right? And by the way, you say, what if it's not the will of God? Oh, if it's chastisement, that's still the will of God. There's nothing going to happen to you that doesn't come across his desk and that he doesn't approve. Go look at Job. Nothing could happen to Job that God did not give permission. Right? And so everything is in God's will. May I say number two, why can we endure? Why can we have faith for the finish? Why can we keep on going? Because of God's grace and his mercy and his peace. Look with me in verse number two. He says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, notice the first words, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. I, I told you the end destination is heaven. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve heaven. That is God's grace giving me something I do not deserve. And Paul says to Timothy, grace. Timothy, always remember the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God in your life. If I got what I deserved, I'd spend eternity in hell. But because of His grace and His mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. I do deserve hell. But by His mercy, I'm not going to get hell. By His grace, I'm going to get something I don't deserve. I'm going to get heaven. Hey, folks, look at me. I'm not just getting heaven, but I'm getting a mansion in heaven. You ever stop and think about, man, heaven? Heaven, the place where... A metal that we count so precious on earth, they use for paving material in heaven. In heaven, they look at gold like we look at blacktop. Hey, the road's getting kind of messed up. Oh, lay another layer of gold on it. Of course, heaven's a perfect place. The roads are not going to be like they are in Illinois. I see some of you have driven in Illinois as well. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace. Hey, by the way, grace, that unmerited favor, means we can't earn it. If we could earn it, that means we wouldn't be able to keep it. We could lose it. We can't lose it. This is a Baptist church. You do believe once saved, always saved. Okay, just making sure. We sound doctrine, all right. But grace, mercy, and then he says peace. 
Grace is that unmerited favor. Grace is that I'm getting what I don't deserve. Getting something I don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. And peace is that calm assurance that what God is doing, He knows what He's doing. I, can, I, can I ask some of the older folks uh, uh, in this room tonight? Hey, do you remember, I, I hate to use this as an illustration, but do you remember the old TV show, Father Knows Best? Yeah. I can still remember watching it on the rerun channel. I'm not that old. Amen. But I think they might have it on me TV now or something, you know, free TV, whatever. But the, in that show, Fathers Knows Best, everything that happened, it was always the wife and the kids. Well, the, the ultimate plot was go see dad. He has the answer. Hey, can I tell you something? Our father knows best. Our father knows best. Hey, listen, that peace that we ought to have, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, that peace is the fact that, okay, Lord, I may not see what you're doing, I may not understand what you're doing, I may not comprehend it, but, Lord, I've got peace that you know what you're doing. And everything's in your hands. I'm in your hands. Hey, can I tell you, I do enough traveling, not just here in the States, but in, in Asia, but boy, there's times when people are shouting at me, you know, and I'm going, oh, what did I do? You know, that just having that peace that, hey, you know what? If this guy gets mad and attacks me, I still got peace that I'm in the will of God. I've still got peace because of the grace of God. I've still got peace because of the mercy of God. Hey, hey folks, listen to me. If everything fell apart, I'm still not going to hell. I'm still going to heaven. Right? And so why can, we, why can we have faith for the finish? Why can we keep on going? Because of God's grace, His mercy, and His peace. May I say number three, why can we keep on going? Because of good friends. Because of good friends. Look in verse number three. Verse number three, Paul writes and he says, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience. Without ceasing I have remembrance of thee. Verse number four, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. You know what Paul was saying to Timothy? Boy, Timothy, there's times that I just stop and I think about the friendship that you and I have. Boy, I, I just stop and think about the desire that I would have to see you. Hey, you know, I've learned this, and I think Brother Hooker, will, you understand this. Brother Mike, you understand. We travel enough. I don't get to see your pastor. I don't talk to your pastor every single week. But you know, when I do see him, it's like we pick up from the last time and just keep right on going. And, you know, and folks, when you serve God, you realize people are going to come, people are going to go. But you know what? If they're good friends and they're the friends that God has placed in your life, then boy, when you get to see them and be around them, yeah, we do greatly desire to see. And we are mindful of them and they're, heartaches but there's also that what you are doing what I'm doing is the will of God and because of God's grace and his mercy and his peace I can keep going because I've got good friends that when I see will say hey how you doing and pick up right where we left off I saw them on that Tuesday night hey I, uh, I got in there a little bit late I didn't completely factor in New Orleans traffic. And, and he was praying as he did the 6 o'clock session. 
And so I snuck in during his prayer. I sat down on the back row. And he's up there and he's, he's, he's got his Bible and he's looking up and he's talking. And he looked up and I saw him look and he looked back down and he looked back up and he looked back down. He looked back up. By the time he says, Curtis, hey, what are you doing here, son? I mean, in the middle of us, I said, I came to see you. Well, amen. Well, he went back to his lesson. And then afterwards, I saw him in the hallway and gave him a hug. You know what we did? We picked up right where we left off. And why? Good friends. Good friends. Now, folks, listen to me. We've all had friends that have failed by the wayside. But we've got some good friends that are still going. Paul was saying, hey, Timothy, you're a good friend. And I want to encourage you. Keep on going. Hey, listen to me. Sometimes you may be the friend that God uses to encourage the friend that might be ready to fall by the wayside to keep on going. Why can we have faith for the finish? Because we ought to have good friends. Godly friends. You know, I don't have a wide circle of what I call good friends. Most of my good friends are men who are older than I am. And I appreciate that. You know why? They've been a little bit farther down the road. You know, they have a capacity that when we do pick up where we left off, to say something in such a way, unknowingly many times, but it's God using them to help encourage me to keep on going. You know, I originally, do, I hate to admit this, but I'll be honest and transparent. I originally developed this message for me. I remember, I remember Dr. Hiles telling a, a story of preaching and sat down and Dr. Robertson leaned over and said, Jack, were you preaching to us or yourself? Sometimes the greatest truths that we preach are the truths that we've had to practice and apply to our own life. Hey, good friends help encourage us. You know what I've learned through the years? Stay with me, I'm about done. You know what I've learned through the years? That God has put some good friends to encourage me to keep on going. Like Paul was there in the life of Timothy to encourage him to keep on going. So I've determined, preacher, as I go around the country, there are a lot of young preachers. You know what I try to do? Encourage them to keep on going. Because I've had the Pauls that have encouraged me to keep on going. That have remembrance of me. Hey, can I can I throw this little in as well? It's not in a point, but I I I I see it here in verse number three. He says, "I thank God whom I serve." Notice this from my forefathers. You know, uh, the Mary Hearts. Y'all gonna have an activity tomorrow for all of the younger folks who are not in Mary Hearts. You ought to thank God for the forefathers that are in this place. Yeah. That through the years have kept the doors open, kept the lights on, so that you have a church to be in. Hey, some of the uh, gray hairs or white hairs that you look and you ask them a question and they start giving you this big long story. Hey, there's probably a truth to that story. Learn to be patient and learn to go and say, can I learn from you? Hey, and by the way, even if you've heard the story umpteen million times, it's always great to hear it again. You know why? Because they're our forefathers. They're the ones that paid the way and paid the price for us to have what we have 
today. All right, number four, and lastly, why can we have faith for the finish? Why can we keep on going? Not only because of the bright future, the will of God, and God's grace, His mercy, and His peace, not only because of good friends, but number four, because of the sincerity of our faith. The sincerity of our faith. Look with me in verse number five. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. See that word unfeigned? That word unfeigned means sincere. When I call to remembrance the sincere faith that is in thee. Hey, are you saved? Yes. Hey, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to wake you up. Are you saved? Yes. All right. Were you sincere in calling upon the Lord? Is heaven your home? Amen. All right, then there needs to be a genuineness, a sincerity about our faith. As, as preacher said this morning, you know, we're not perfect. We don't have to put on this air of, uh, of perfection. We won't be perfect till we awaken his likeness. But I can be sincere. I can be genuine. I can say, okay, God, I'm Curtis Hall. I'm the only Curtis Hall that God made. Boy, I was waiting for my wife to say amen. Yeah. Amen. You are the only you that God made. There's nobody like you. Hey, you are going to be, by the influence of people in your life, you are going to be like them in certain areas, but you're still going to be you. Be you. Be sincere. Be sincere. Boy, And preacher, you know this is true. How many times have we watched men, and and, and I did it when I was younger, try to emulate preachers, you know, dress like them, walk like them, you know. I I know even one preacher kept, I I don't know whether he had a cough or not, but just for years he always coughed because he heard Dr. Hiles call. And so every time he preached, (coughs) you know, he'd get up and cough. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm being human here tonight. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. But you know, just be sincere. Why can we have faith for the finish? Because of the sincerity of our faith. Is it genuine? Is it it genuine? I'm me. Like me or don't like me, I'm me. Now, if you don't like me, then tell me what you don't like. Why? Because if I've got faults and imperfections, and I do, my wife has a whole list of them if you'd like to see them. But I understand, he's still working on me to make me what he wants me to be. But between now and when I do awaken his likeness, I just want to be genuine, sincere. And I hope that genuineness and that sincerity, because I see it in the life of Paul and Timothy, will help me to keep going. So why do I say that? Because Paul said, when I called to remembrance, the unfeigned faith, that sincere faith. Hey, why did Timothy have a sincere faith? Because he saw sincerity and faith modeled for two generations before him. Consistency in our sincerity and our genuineness. You don't have to put on airs. He's real. That's something that all of us have always loved. I can remember having the opportunity to go and have meals when they were little. 
You know, he's the same as what he was. He's a little bit older. I would say a little bit slower, but I'll get slapped. <laughs> but just as sincere as they've always been. Hey, that helps for future generations. And that helps us to have faith for the finish. And that helps us to keep on going. I'm done with this. I want to be a fat Christian. Yeah. Faithful, accessible to God, and teachable. I want to stay faithful. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to be accessible to God. So what do you mean by that? I always want to make myself available to God. And then I want to stay teachable. I've not arrived yet. As I sat and learned in Marrero, Louisiana, even as a father on the last kid who's leaving in a year and a half, not that we're counting, <laughs> there's still things I need to work on as a father. Stay teachable. But we can't all finish. Paul finished. He fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. You and I can as well. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord.